Welcome to the Backyard Blitz. It is May 11th, 2022. Today we will be talking about first and second year quarterbacks, their situations, and who is in the best spot to succeed in 2022. Ronnie unveils his top five wide receivers for fantasy for this upcoming season in our Twitter debate of the week. We talk about that and more. Football is here. Let's get it. Welcome to the Backyard Blitz. I'm Brandon Peebler. We got Ronnie Eastham in the house. You can follow me at Peebler22 on Twitter and follow Ronnie at Ronnie Eastham. Make sure you give us a follow at Twitter on our uh, podcast page, The BY Blitz. And make sure you subscribe and hit the bell so you know when we're going live on YouTube. Uh, and tell your friends. Tell them, tell them that we kind of do this and you like what we like what you hear. So uh, Ronnie, we're a week post draft, two weeks now. God, yeah, two weeks now <laughs> post draft. That happened extremely fast. Wow, yeah, it did. Yeah, um, I wanted to kind of talk about. You know, we never get a a chance to really just kind of dive into our teams a little bit. And you know, post draft is always one of those things. We're a day away from the schedule being released, and I remember us talking about. You know, when the postseason was around, we we're like. You know, after the draft, that's when you kind of get like the hope. That's like the ultimate feeling of hope that you have with your team of like it's going to be a fresh slate and all that. So start off with your bills. I know that you're really excited. Um, I think the rest of the NFL world is really excited about the bills the, this year. How do you feel about them post draft and how do you feel that they did during the draft? And do you think that there is any uh, still glaring needs that they have right now? Uh, I think they did a fantastic job in the draft. Uh, they answer basically a lot of the position needs that they had. Uh, you know, you're always kind of leery of depending on a rookie, of course. Uh, so that's Kair Elam. The, the ceiling for him is CB1. You know, they're saying that he has a talent to, to match with Tredavious White. But again, he's a rookie. So we're going to be depending on that. White came in as a rookie. He did fine. Uh, I believe he was... I want to say second or third in rookie of the year that year, but um, uh, I thought the draft was was fantastic. They got uh, Dalvin Cook's little brother. I think he's a huge addition, uh, not necessarily in the running game so much. I mean, he's going to add some explosive explosiveness there as well. But what he brings to the, the table in the, the passing game, so um, I'm I'm excited to see what what he does. And of course, you can't can't talk about the Bills and not talk about Von Miller, right? <laughs> yeah. I you know when it came to the draft it almost kind of went by the wayside like there was that free agency wave that you know you're trying to get these guys and that was a huge signing by Buffalo because Jerry Hughes isn't he still a free agent or I know that there was rumors of him potentially signing with the Texans uh something like yeah. that. It's not certain that he's coming back so it's really good that they got Von Miller and it seems like he's going to be there a while. I I think he'll finish his career as a Buffalo Bill. I think that's a, a great fit because he, as we saw in the Super Bowl, both Super Bowls that he's played in, he's a game changer and he, yeah. he can close out games for you. And that's exactly something that Buffalo could use, especially when they are playing in that stacked AFC where it seems like you're just going after premier quarterback after premier quarterback. Absolutely. You know, I've heard Von Miller referred to it more than once as a closer. Uh, that's and that's exactly what he is. When the game is on the line, uh, seconds remaining. And, you know, I said this the last time we talked about Von Miller. Yeah, I, I honestly believe that if Miller's on that roster this past season, that 13 seconds doesn't happen. There's no way he lets uh, – he gives Mahomes any kind of time to do anything. And I think it also changes the way the defense, the secondary, can play coverage. I think you're going to see a little bit more man because um, – you know, when your front four can get to the quarterback quicker, uh, that's when you can use man-to-man -man more often and you can get up on those wide receivers. And uh, I think we're going to see, you know, obviously we're going to see Tyreek Hill twice this year uh, with him being in Miami. So I think that's going to be huge. Uh, I really do. He changes everything on that defense. Uh, as far as uh, Jerry Hughes, yes, he, he actually, there's things floating in my face. Uh, he did actually <laughs> sign with the Texans today. That's the story I got. Uh, anyway, so I was sad to see that uh, he's been uh, the last remaining really uh, Bills for our Bills guy from the uh, the the playoff drought, the 17 year drought. So I was kind of hoping he could stick around, finish his 
here there, but um, wasn't in the cards. I don't know if the Bills were just not willing to uh, pay him what he was asking for, or maybe they just couldn't give him what uh, the Texans were offering. I don't know the the you know the story behind it, but that was a little disappointing. I was hoping he'd stick around. Yeah, those situations are always tough because. You know, like as a player, as a fan, you know that you're close. Ronnie, you know that your Bills are close. Probably the closest that they've been in, in their in their team's history, right? Like even going back to the 90s, like they had a good team. But it, it seems like, man, they are a front runner in the AFC in everybody's minds. Josh Allen has really turned the corner. And then you have a guy that has been there for a while, and he's been there through the tough times. And you would like to see him – be able to potentially hold up that Lombardi, kind of get over that hump, and then yeah. he goes and signs with a team that's probably the farthest away other than the Jaguars <laughs> as far as getting to that point. So I know that it's a business, and I know that they have to think about some things other than those, um, but I totally get it. Going back to, to Von Miller and your point as far as how they're able to play differently when you have a pass rush, football is the ultimate team game. We know that, and you can't have – like you don't have a, a good quarterback without good receivers. You don't have good receivers without a good quarterback and yeah. then a good line and so on and so forth. And on defense, the way that plays out is usually have a really good secondary when you have a pretty dang good pass rush because the quarterback can't sit back there for four, five, six seconds, scramble around because that's a long time to cover somebody. But when you're playing corner and you have the type of corners that you guys do, even the you know some of the younger guys that you guys picked up, your safeties – when they know that they that that ball's got to come out in three seconds, they can play it a little bit differently. They can play it a little bit aggressively, and yep. you don't have to risk putting more guys in the pass rush. Adding to that, you know, in terms of a blitz, you can if you can get there with four, you know, you can you can put eight, uh, you can put guys back in coverage, you know, seven guys back in coverage, yeah, and that makes it a lot easier on those guys than taking a guy from coverage and then putting him in the rush. Now all of a sudden you got six or five guys covering, and then it's, you know, you're in, in, in blitz with only one guy over the top. And then that's where big plays happen. So I think yeah. that you're going to be able to see that the way that they addressed the corner position with uh, the kid out of Florida, Elam, the way that they added to their pass rush. Um, I think they did a lot of complimentary things. There wasn't necessarily, you know, I mean, Von Miller is a big name, but he kind of went late in free agency, right? They already have their big names. They got the Josh Allen. They got their Stefan Diggs. I love that they added James Cook because that is a, a really complimentary piece that they needed. Yeah. So I'm I'm excited about your bills. And uh, I mean, I'm hoping that we can meet in that ultimate game uh, for sure. I hope this is the one. You know, you said a while ago, this is the closest that they've been probably ever. It's debatable, obviously, with those 90s teams. But to your point, though, uh, it was almost like the it was almost like back then it was kind of reverse what it is now. Right, the, NFC, the was NFC with the powerhouses. You had the the Randall Cunninghams and the Troy Aikmans and the Steve Youngs, uh, and all of those guys in the NFC. And then over in the AFC, it was you know Marino and Kelly um, right. until Montana came over for a couple of years. Fouts uh, was in there for a little while, but he was kind of later in his in his career. Yeah, I so um, so yeah, I I mean, man, I. Is <laughs> for 17 years of the drought, right? Every single signing in the back of your mind, you're like, maybe that's a guy. Maybe that's okay. Yeah, I know he hasn't had a good career, and we just spent an exorbitant amount of money for you know a third string guy. But for whatever reason, coming to Buffalo, he's going to be a superstar. You know, <laughs> that's the way fans think, right? You bring right. in everybody, all these players, and you're like, oh, he's he's going to turn his career around. He's going to help get us over the hump, and it's just it's crazy the the level of hope every single fan has of every single team i'm sure there's people out there with houston thinking oh man davis mills we saw what josh allen did davis Mills is going to do the same thing he's going to take that leap brandon cook's going to have 120 receptions for 1500 yards i mean you this know is it's the time happen. this yeah. is the time this is yeah. the time of year you know i mean you got jets fans that are after what they did in the draft that are you know they're starting to talk I, I heard a Super Bowl thing, and I said, hold on. Let's get the playoffs first. <laughs> Let's get above 500 first before we start saying any of those things. And, but there's we'll always a team a that bit. comes out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah there's a team that there comes is. out of nowhere. Every single year that you're like, they were 4-12 and 12 last year. 
now they're 12 and four or 12 and five, you know, now with an extra game, but um, absolutely. I think, you know, I was going to say, we're going to get to the jets. We'll talk a little bit about them uh, uh, when we get to the, uh, these, uh, some of these quarterbacks. Um, the one that's driving me crazy right now is all the Tua talk. Like yeah. those Dolphins fans, they are, whew, <laughs> let me tell you. Uh, I wish I, I, oh man, I want to bring up the video because they, the, the Dolphins media team did not do to any favors in, in the most recent video. Uh, let's see if I can pull it up here. Um, but basically what happened. So we know that Tyree kill went over to the, the Dolphins, went over to the Dolphins. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to bring this up right here. This is <laughs> embarrassing. It's really bad. All right, here we go. I'm going to share my screen. All right. <laughs> so if you guys can see this here. All right, this is. Yep, that's the one. <laughs> I mean, if you watch this here, he has to almost come to a dead stop. Okay. Yeah, yep. We'll, we'll watch this game. I mean, he throws it. You know, they slow-mo it, making it look like, oh, my God, this is a – Tyreek Hill's almost at a dead stop. He's almost <laughs> at a dead stop. And I saw I the feel, same video with the exact same thing. I was like, wow, okay, yeah. <laughs> they did him no favors. Now, there's a lot of different things that could have happened. Maybe that was their first ever throw in minicamp. They're just warming up. He's not – obviously, Tyreek's not running as fast as he can right there. But the perception well, going was, in – it would have been underthrown even worse. Oh, God. <laughs> But the perception that we all had, that we all talked about when Tyreek Hill went over to the Dolphins, is that Tua is not going to be able to get him the ball. He it, he doesn't have the arm that Mahomes had. And you want to know what? There's not a lot of human beings on planet Earth that do. Okay, yeah. Tua definitely doesn't. That was even one of his remarks coming out of how to college was that he didn't have the arm strength for the NFL. Now you pair him with like one of the fastest humans on that that plays the sport of football who is a deep threat. That's what he is. He extends yeah. the field, right? And what's, I mean, first of all, the PR department, needs, somebody needs to get fired. Whoever <laughs> decided to do that, because it's just not right. I mean, this has well, been it, a I mean, Twitter ablaze the last couple of days. wobbly too. Oh, it's wobbly. They <laughs> slow motion on it. It doesn't even look like it's that far for the love of God. It doesn't. And he but, still has know, to come to be, a dead stop. That could be deceiving, but yeah. Yeah. I tell you what, man. I, I will say this about the Dolphins, though. I do think they will be number two in the division. Uh, I do think they have a lot of good pieces around Tua, and this really is kind of his year. This is year three. Uh, and for me, when I'm looking at players, year three is the year I'm looking to. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens uh, with with the Dolphins this year. I do, Like I said, I do think they're going to be the, the best competition for Buffalo, but I don't think it's going to be close. Absolutely. Well, I got to talk a little bit about my squad here. Okay. You got to talk about the Buffalo Bills for a minute. <laughs> I'm excited about what the 49ers did. Again, they they had a, a, a draft that's different. Like both of our teams, we're used to, at least in the last couple of years, kind of trying to build up, getting some of those big name guys. And this year, both of our teams were really kind of supplementing some spots, just kind of filling some needs. I'll tell you what I love the pick at in the second round. Is the, the first pick that they had. What didn't come until 61, the second round, Drake Jackson. First of all, that guy was going to be a top five pass rusher his freshman year in college. The coaches at USC really screwed him up. They had all sorts of different schemes. They had coaching movements. He went between uh, 265 to like 285, and then he had to go back down, played him at a stand-up outside linebacker, played him in a down 4-3 three, uh, three defensive end. So he was all over the place, and you didn't really get to see. I, I think his freshman year was probably his best. So I'm excited to pair him with Coach Chris Kucerek there at the 49ers because he really gets everything out of the, the pass rushes there. I mean, you see guys like Arden Key come in and start putting up career-type numbers. Um, Kerry Hyder is another guy yeah. that came in. And so I'm excited with this young guy. They'll get him to the right weight. Um, I'm interested in Tyron David uh, Davis price that they picked up in the third round, more of a downhill guy. Now you can see the way that they're drafting. It's more for Trey Lance. It's not for the Jimmy Garoppolo type of style where it's outside zone. This is more downhill type 
of running. They did it last year with Trey Sermon. They're doing it again with Tyron Davis Price. I think Trey Sermon has a breakout type of year this year, paired with Elijah Mitchell and having this basically three-headed monster. I'm excited for that. But the one I'm most excited about is Danny Gray. This guy's a 4-3 guy out of SMU. He, he's picked 105. But basically, this is a receiver that the Niners just don't draft. They don't draft speed guys, you know, really. So you can tell that there is a, a change in philosophy and how they're going to go back about their game plan and what they feel like they have with Trey Lance, that he'll be able to get him the ball deep down the field, unlike maybe Tua and uh, <laughs> Tyreek Hill there. So I'm excited about that. But I want to talk about some quarterbacks. We talked about, you mentioned th third year is the one that you're starting to look at. I want to talk about these quarterbacks that just got drafted. Who are, you know, who's in the best situation here? So I put a little something together. And Ronnie, I want to see what you think about it. I got Kenny Pickett as the guy that's in the best overall situation in 2022. I think he has an opportunity to maybe win the job. I mean, you there's an argument there that, uh, your boy, Mitch Trubisky, I, I think he's probably the favorite to land that starting job, you know, right now. Um, and then you have Mason Rudolph, who, you know, despite getting hit in the head with helmets and all that stuff, he's had an opportunity and obviously he hasn't won over anybody, right? He's had his opportunity out there. Oh yeah. So I really think this is going to come down to, you have a young kid that basically was what, maybe a hundred feet away <laughs> the whole, you know, in and out of their practice facility at university of Pittsburgh. He knows the area. He probably knows some of the players. Kenny Pickett's yeah. going to step in the big thing about a young quarterback, Ronnie. And I think you'll agree with this is they got a pretty dang good defense there in Pittsburgh. And even when big Ben stepped in, they had a good defense and that allowed him. If he made a mistake, the defense could bail him out. Uh, what do you think about Kenny Pickett being my number one there? I'm on board. I agree with that. Um, I think it's, uh, you can't really make an argument otherwise, honestly. I, none of these other guys, they don't have the receiving core that, that the Steelers have uh, outside of, mm, I guess, really outside of maybe Atlanta. They all have pretty good running backs uh, in the backfield. But the receiving core, that's a big thing. The defenses, Carolina's defense is pretty good. Uh, but when you're talking about just skill position players that's surrounding a quarterback, uh, Kenny Pickett has definitely got the, uh, the a leg up there. The offensive line for the Steelers last year was a little suspect, so we'll see yeah. if that's uh, you know an improve is improved this year. And if it is, uh, yeah, I mean, I've said it here and I've said it off off air. I've been saying it since you know Mitch Trubisky signed with the Steelers. He's going <laughs> to be the starting quarterback. Uh, and if Kenny Pickett beats him out, hey, outstanding, good job. I'm wrong, and I'm I'm fine with that. It wouldn't be the first time, but uh, yeah, it's Trubisky's I job. I think it's Trubisky's yeah, job to lose for sure. I I think so too. I mean, you're talking about a guy who has been in the league what four years now. This will be his fifth, I believe. Yeah, with uh, with Trubisky, he spent some time with that Bills coaching staff. Uh, we'll see if that helped him in his development the way it helped with Allen. There were some other things that Allen was doing off the field away from the. Uh, the stadium as well that was helping him as far as going to uh, work with Palmer. I don't know if Trubisky did that or not. I haven't heard, but you know that, that's obviously a big thing. We'll, we'll see. I, I do like where Pickett's at, and I do think he has the best chance of any of these guys to start. Well, let me let me back that up. <laughs> I think by by default, some of these other guys may have a better opportunity to start. To be successful, though, yeah, Kenny Pickett's easily the the answer there. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot, and it starts with coaching. Mike Tomlin's been there for a long yeah. time. I know that he's defensive-minded, but stability is a huge thing on a young quarterback. I mean, I can remember Alex Smith had, I think he had seven offensive coordinators in, set, in his first seven years, and that's almost that's like great. learning seven different languages, and that yeah. is difficult, you know? So especially when you talk about year three, we're talking year three in the system, right? Not necessarily... So Trubisky, I think he's going to have a really good opportunity and he can help kind of teach Kenny Pickett. Um, I don't know if he has the Ryan Tannehill uh, mentality. <laughs> I can't imagine he does because Mitch seems like a pretty good kid. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to see how that situation plays out. But I got him at number one. 
Now, despite what Ryan Tannehill, his no mentoring but wants to say, I do like Malik Willis, that situation. Uh, Coach Vrabel, he's been in the league. He knows what it takes to win in the NFL. They do have a good defense. They they will have a young receiving core, which Malik Willis will be able to kind of grow up with, uh, if you will. And what's really great for a young quarterback is a badass running game. And they got <laughs> yeah. King Henry back there. So I think that's something that's going to really, really help him. Um, I like that situation. When you are a young quarterback going into a winning type of situation where – it's not on you to like win the game. There's you have all the sorts of pieces are around. And I think that's a great transition for him. Now I have him second on the list. It would, if Ryan Tannehill would have said something like, I'm going to do everything I can to help this young man. You can make an argument for number one. You could make an argument. I still think Kenny's at, at the top spot there, uh, but you can make a better argument. But the fact that, you know, he's not, and there's already sort of some controversy there, that kind of knocks him down a little bit, but he's definitely, when you look at the Panthers, while they're not really in a winning situation, the commanders, I got Carson Wentz there and the Falcons have kind of blown everything up and they're kind of almost starting at a new. So Malik Willis is almost there because of default. Now Matt Corral right. and the Panthers, that situation is going to be nuts. He might have an opportunity to start potentially if he, he comes in there in camp, right? And depending on what happens with the Baker Mayfield, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, Sam Darnold situation, um, he has an opportunity to go in there and win the job. There's like they have. I know that uh, Matt Rule has said, "Yeah, well he he's our he's gonna uh, Sam Darnold's gonna be our starter," and he kind of backed that up like ten minutes later, like same press conference. So. <laughs> yeah. That's nobody's job. It's going to be whoever wins it. So, but I like the defense, like you mentioned. And then when you got CMC back there, that always is going to help to have a weapon. Now, Sam Howell, he might have an opportunity too because Carson Wentz, he plays really good sometimes and he <laughs> plays really bad sometimes. And yeah, I, I just don't know what that situation is going to be. I imagine if they turn the keys to Sam Howell, it's not going to be a good situation they're going to be losing uh they might have some guys hurt and it's almost going to be like hey well let's just see what you got type of thing and then of course desmond ritter i'm i'm the highest on, on him out of all these prospects but i think it's the worst situation they are clearly in a rebuild they got a lot of young talent there but i don't know what's going to go on the o-line i couldn't name your running back because mike davis just got released um so it's, it's going to be, be the rookie yeah Pretty i think sure so that... too yeah, um, I think so. I, the name is, escapes me, but I do remember him. He, he was drafted too. Um, oh my gosh, it's the BYU kid, Algier, Tyler Algier. Algier. Yeah, yeah, and of course they did resign uh, Patterson too. But he's kind of your 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 gadget guy. So, right. Uh, yeah, the, the Falcons do have a couple of pieces in place as far as the offensive side. Kyle of Pitts, goes. right? And they just and yeah, they, they just, got Kyle they Pitts. got a top receiver in the, in the draft. So yeah, so I think there's a future there. I think they might be heading in the right direction, and and it's a kind of a perfect, really for for Ritter. He can just kind of sit on the bench, uh, let Marcus Mariota take the beating week in and week out, uh, and then year two maybe he can step in unless Mariota goes out and kills it, which you know who knows, but um. Uh, as far as that aspect goes, I think he's in a good spot. Uh, all five of these guys, I think if I had to pick one right now that starts week one, uh, I would probably go with Corral. That's a good boss. It's a, it's a good possibility. I, you could almost make an argument for Kenny Pickett there. I think it's probably close between those two, but yeah, I think that one's more wide open with the Panthers than it is with any other situation. I will say Desmond Ritter getting to learn from Marcus Mariota because I feel like they do have similar type of skill yeah. sets with their legs. I think that will benefit him. And I thought about putting him up a little bit higher because I'm pretty sure Mariota is going to help him out and not say I'm not here to mentor him and all those things. There's, I know I put a lot of stock in that because it's just a team. I have a team yeah. mentality, right? I think you do too. And so when we hear that, it's just such a thorn in yeah. my side. I just hate it. I think you can um, flip four and five either direction. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think you can too. The only reason I put the commanders up higher is they play in a weak NFC East. 
Sorry, Johan, but it it is <laughs> like the 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 Cowboys. I'm not sold on them. I'm I'm not. I'm, I'm more sold on the Eagles, quite frankly, because they got some more pieces than I am the Cowboys. The Commanders, just because of who's at quarterback, Carson Wentz. I don't know what I'm going to get from that guy. He could go down for all I know, and you could have Sam yeah. Howell that steps in there. And th but they have a good defense. They have a lot of other pieces there. So just because of that, I put them ahead of the Falcons because. You know, the Falcons are going to have to play the Buccaneers twice. That's going to be yeah. tough. The Saints twice. That's going to be tough. So, do you think uh, Hell has a chance to beat out Wentz, though? Like outright beat him? Not because of injury or anything like that, though. No. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't. I, I think it, we dog on Wentz a lot, but I think he's, he's, he's better than a rookie third round, is. fourth round, whatever draft pick he was. Um, so, yeah. And I'll be honest, I, I like Carson Wentz. I, I do. I, I, I like him, and I feel like ever since he tore his ACL, I got it, I think it was like week 14, and he was having an MVP type year. Yeah. Like there's that talent is there. And he had an opportunity with the Colts, and I think maybe he just didn't fit in that system enough, but he still played really well. He didn't turn over the ball a lot. It just was in like the worst time possible <laughs> that you throw your like sixth interception of the year, you know, against Jacksonville. So yeah, I think he's still in Indianapolis right now. If they'd have made the playoffs, I, I think too. those last think two games was... still to do. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree with you. I I felt like they were. We talked about this. If the Colts got in the playoffs last year, they were going to be a tough team to beat. And that yeah. is with Carson Wentz, yeah. right? So um, I don't think Sam Howell has a chance at beating him out, but uh, we'll see. But I'm excited about these next guys because this is the class from last year, okay? This is the class from last year that we were all interested in. Who's the, who's the quarterback that is in the best situation in 22? Now, I put Trey Lance at, at one, not because I'm a homer, okay? <laughs> but the 49ers have a damn good team around him. They have a, a really good play caller in Kyle Shanahan. Um, they got a running game that can do a lot of things. They got George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk on offense, and they have a really good defense. I feel, and their culture is one that is really good, even with Jimmy Garoppolo there, and that still kind of hanging above them. He mentored the hell out of Trey Lance. He he was showing him all the stuff, right? So I think that's a great situation. Now, Zach Wilson, last year, probably in the fourth range. And I would say Justin Fields and Mac Jones were up a little bit higher. But Zach Wilson, the way that the Jets have kind of pieced together some weapons for him. I'm really excited about, and I want to get your take on this, Ronnie, because I am pretty excited about uh, Zach Wilson. He put on some more weight. Looks like he, you know, he he's coming home from college. You know, he's been hitting that the iron. Uh, put on about 15 pounds. So, like you said, he's still probably a buck 85. But what do you think about Wilson there at two? Uh, yeah, um, the first two, you and I are on the same page. Uh, I agree, and, and it's not that the 49ers really did. They didn't bring in any, any big names. They didn't really uh, have any major upgrades across the board uh, outside of maybe Traverius Ward, which I, I think you can call him maybe an upgrade at the corner position. Yeah. But uh, it's the same pieces that they had on offense. But those pieces got them to an NFC Championship game. Yeah. Uh, you, none of these other four, other five teams can say that, well, six if you throw in Davis Mills. They None of them can say that. So I think you're absolutely right. They have a winning roster right now, and that's already proven. It's not like the Jets where they're depending on a couple of rookies or even the Jaguars who are spend, uh, spending their entire bank account on players who quite frequently on are Christian Kirk. Well, you can say it. Christian Kirk. Yeah. They spent a whole lot of money on Christian yeah. Kirk for no reason. But okay. I, I will say uh, I actually have Trevor Lawrence number three. Okay. Because they did uh, did some work on the offensive line, bringing Brandon Scherf over. That was that's a significant improvement. They drafted Luke Fort, uh, yeah, Fortner out of the Kentucky. Uh, started 36 games, I believe. He had 23 starts at guard, 13 at center. So he's got some versatility there. So I think they they did him some favors in that regard. And we talking trash about Christian Kirk. He's still a good receiver. The issue with him is the amount of money they paid him to be a wide receiver one, which he's not. I get that. Right. But they did bring in. Well, he'll Evan have an Ingram. opportunity to prove it, I guess, at the yeah, at the, at the very absolutely. least. He'll have an opportunity to prove it, right? They did bring in Evan Ingram, who's a pretty good tight end. Uh, Zay Jones, who had a we'll call it a breakout year with Oakland last year. 
or not Oakland, sorry, Las Vegas. <laughs> oh, I know old habits die hard, right? Yeah, yeah. Old habits die hard. So I do think they they at least tried to bring in some pieces. There's some of these other teams, like poor Davis Mills. They didn't do jack for him. Uh, they signed. They re-signed Marlon Brandon Mack. Cooks is what they did. They re-signed Brandon Cooks. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Okay, I mean they have a second-year wide receiver, Nico Collins, who. Yeah. We'll see what he does. Um, I actually looked him up. He had 60 targets last year as a rookie. He only caught 33 passes of those, though. So that's a little concerning. But um, we'll see. They didn't do anything for him, though. Yeah. And, I mean, maybe the defense is better. But I mean, that's a good argument. I mean, that that's a good argument that you put there for Trevor Lawrence. For me, I mean, I, I guess you can say – that it's an addition by subtraction and and that's urban Meyer being gone. I think he, I mean, so for me, I really almost feel like Trevor Lawrence is going to have to relearn everything again because he, he almost learned what not to do in in the NFL. And, and I I just can't, I've, I've heard so many things from players that were, by the way, uh, Jordan is a Jordan Lambeau. Or Justin Lambeau, uh, the kicker. He's he's filing a lawsuit uh, on yeah. Urban Meyer for him getting kicked. By the way, so that just shows you how toxic that was. So I think for him, yeah. it's almost going to be like a breath of fresh air to kind of have a Doug Peterson there to kind of show him how to do stuff. His situation isn't bad, by the way. None of these, uh, th- some of those on the other list are way worse than yeah. Trevor Lawrence with with the Jaguars. I just think as far as pieces around and and the and the coaches, right? I like Doug Peterson, but I like Justin Fields. I don't know how much they did around him, but I'm a huge fan of Justin Fields. There are some times that he showed some absolute star power last year. But then again, there were times where he went like four and fourteen completion percentage. Yeah. So oh, his that first does start? worry me. Yeah. Whew. That was rough. Terrible. Yeah. Uh rough. but the offensive line didn't do any favors either in that one. No. I, I don't remember how many times he got sacked, but it was a lot. Um, so with the Chicago Bears, they have, of course, Darnell Mooney, who really hasn't broke out yet. I think he could this year, uh, especially with uh, if uh, Fields can take that next step. But they brought in By- Byron Pringle, and I'm going to – I got to look over here at my screen to pronounce this. Equinemius St. Brown. Equinemia St. Brown is Notre Equine- Dame guy. Yeah. Uh, from, from Green Bay. He caught yep. only 59% of his targets, though, last year. And if you're only catching 50, 59% of passes from Aaron Rodgers, those are accurate passes. Yeah. I have some concerns there. Uh, Byron yeah. Pringle, I think, is more of a product of the team he had around him in Kansas City. So I don't feel like they really did any favors uh, for well, Justin Fields. They, they subtracted as- a guy, too, in Allen Robinson. Yeah, you know they, he's he's no longer there, so that's that is going to be. He was your best receiver. Yeah, for for Justin, when I I was putting up there, I mean, you make a great argument for for Trevor, and I you can almost think about swapping those guys, but that one might be uh, addition by subtraction. And and Matt Nagy, I don't know, he did not put Justin Lawrence or Justin Fields. I'm sorry, Justin Lawrence, Justin <laughs> Fields in in a position of strength for him at all. Like he put him in spread formation five wide receivers drop back and and you know try to make an accurate throw while you're a rookie quarterback and they're sending guys in your face like that's let's just, just not, remember oh, oh man let's remember too that's the same coach that was the that was coaching trubisky trubisky and I listen know. to what you're saying right now so i'm just saying <laughs> no i get it no i absolutely get it i know that that naggy and, and you know maybe to his credit he had a winning record uh, there in Chicago uh, under his tenure. So I, I understand that. But I like I like Justin Fields and the Bears. Trevor Lawrence, they could be up and coming, but it's still the Jaguars for me. It's <laughs> yeah. still They're still the Jaguars until they prove otherwise. And especially with the younger guy, I want to see what he starts to do. And Matt Jones is kind of at the, a safe spot in number four. The reason he's at number four, I don't think the Patriots got better this offseason. I really, really don't. Um I think they lost more guys than they brought in. Quite frankly, they brought in some more uh, younger guys in the draft. Uh, kind of a head scratcher there with Colt Strange in, in the first round. Their wide receivers, I know Kendrick Bourne and then uh, Nikhil Harry, he's probably going to be gone. Uh, so it's like, I'm trying to think of who the other guy is. 
Jacoby, um, so Jacoby Myers. Jacoby, is, Jacoby Myers yeah. is like their number one guy. He's their number one. So they brought in three receivers from free agency uh, with our favorite guy, Devontae Parker, who <laughs> cannot stay healthy to save his life. No. Um, I, I'm sorry. They brought in two wide steady. receivers free agency. Yeah. But he's steady. He, if he has a good quarterback and he can stay healthy, I think he can be a productive wide receiver. Uh, they also brought in or drafted uh, the the speedster four two eight forty Taekwon. Again, that's a rookie wide receiver. There's not too many Jamar Chases or Justin Jeffersons in this league. So I, I'm with you though. They didn't really do much of anything. It's largely the same team. Uh, I don't see Ty Montgomery moving the needle either in any any direction. Yeah, he brings some some versatility. Um, but they kind of already have that in James White. Who plays yeah. that running back slash wide receiver role? So yeah, I, I'm with you. Um, I had, but I did have Mac Jones actually three, only because it's not a terrible roster to begin with. Yeah, and and you got you got Bill Belichick there. Yeah, and like and like I said, this is compared to the last list. This is almost like one A one B, or I'd say one and then two A two B and then three A three B. Like these situations, almost all of them are better than like the bottom three in that last list. Yeah. I, I do have to ask you this because I was yeah. thinking about this earlier while I was kind of going through the the second year quarterbacks, and I got to Mac Jones, and I'm thinking, okay, I mean it's Bill Belichick, it's the Patriots. I mean, right? At what point do do we stop saying it's the Patriots? Of course they're going to be fine because they haven't been fine the last two years. No, since Brady left, they haven't been fine. No. So at what point do we start to say, you know what? Mm, maybe this team's really not that good anymore. Maybe the Patriots way is no longer the way. I think it's this year. I, I think this year we really start to see it. I, I think last year they spent a lot in free agency to try to plug up. I, I guess, uh, you know, the, the, the ship has holes in it. So they're putting those, you <laughs> yeah. know, those don't Showing leak patches on there. <laughs> yeah. Trying to patch those up with there. And they did a lot on defense because that's what Bill Belichick knows. My biggest issue. And the reason I had him at four and not three Who's the offensive coordinator right now for the, the Patriots? Because Bill hasn't named one. Josh McDaniels is gone, right? So he's no longer there. And I think that in itself drops him down. Forget the team around him right now. That's a good point. He's going to yeah. have a different guy that's calling plays. Is Bill Belichick going to call plays? I've heard he is, actually. So <laughs> Bill Belichick, and a great coach. Great yeah. coach, defensive coach, defensive prowess coach. You mean to tell me that he is going to call offensive plays for Mac Jones for the first time ever? If, if that shows any sort of desperation of what might be going on there, to me that that shows that. Like they didn't bring in a guy. There, there's not another guy that Bill trusts. He's going to call plays on his own. That concerns me if, that, if that's in fact true. And I know that they keep everything tight knit yeah. and, you know, they don't like to talk and, you know, competitive advantage or whatever. But I think that for a young quarterback, that's a tough situation. That's a tough is. situation. That is a really in. good point. And, and I have to question too, because they've known that McDaniel's going to leave at some point. Right. And it doesn't feel like, or seem like they really groomed anybody in house to be prepared to take that spot. I, I've heard everything from, uh, Belichick will call plays to it'll be a co a three way co offensive situation, which is just mind boggling to think how in the world like Mac Jones is gonna have three voices in his head. Like, who who do I listen to? What, wait, what you want me to do? What? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, that's a really good point. Okay, I'll knock him down. It's just gonna, <laughs> yeah, it's just gonna be tough. And I mean, I, I gotta, I gotta share this here, uh, because this is just too funny. You mean to tell me that you're going to have this fella right here? <laughs> Is he going to call plays? <laughs> the guy that had his tongue out, you know, uh, that was nuts. You know, you know who that him is, on right? the that's his son. Yeah, that's it's his, his boy. It's Steve Belichick. Yeah. <laughs> when they zoom uh, in on him on the sidelines, it's like, please turn the camera away. He's got the turn it quirkiest. away. Yeah. Turn it away. Like, holy cow. Yeah. Um, but there is, there is one thing. Okay, and not a lot of times am I going to toot my quarterback's horn, but I've been hearing a lot of things about Trey Lance. There's a lot of things that have been kind of 
you know, there was a report out that came today and it's so crazy how things get spun. This came from a Chris Sims podcast where he mentioned, he goes, are the 49ers scared to put Trey Lance in there? Of course they are. And then it gets spun to the 49ers or don't trust Trey Lance. Well, let me show you something. Cause I know that, you know, our listeners, they kind of, there's been a couple of you that have kind of mentioned that. I always like to listen to what the players say. The players are the ones that kind of went in there. And I, I kind of learned that when Randy Moss came into the league and I was a really young kid watching, watching football. And I watched John Randall and him talk about like, he goes, I used to watch, like, see how he's doing, but I would talk to the, the defenders going against him. And the first thing that he said is glad I'm not going against me. He's like, that's all I need to know about Randy Moss. Well, some of the 49er players have said some stuff about Trey Lance. I'm just going to read some of these things. And these are all pro guys. Fred Warner, going against that kid every single day in practice for sure made me a better player. I think all the DBs, everybody else on the defensive side would say that. George Kittle. And you're going to like this one, Ronnie. And this is part of the reason I wanted to bring this up. He reminds me the most of Josh Allen. He's got a cannon of an arm. And I think he has one of the highest ceilings that I've ever seen. This one from Trent Williams, really. Trent Williams has been on, around the league for a while. He's an all-pro tackle. He's seen quarterbacks. He knows what it looks like. You see him throw the ball, and you see him run the ball, and you know that that's a generational talent. So I don't want to get too high on the Trey Lance train because I still got to see it myself. I got to see his first ever start this last year in Arizona. He looks the part. The ball jumps out of his – just jumps out of his hand. He's in a great situation with the 49ers. So just remember this. If he starts doing really well, I am I have his back right now. I haven't quite bought his jersey yet because my wife won't, won't let me yet. Uh, I've had some bad luck with jerseys, by the way. Oh, my God. So I, I almost don't want to jinx him either. But um, I'm really excited about Trey Lance. I, I'm on on the, on board with you uh, with Lance. But at the same time, yeah. Really, really small sample size from last season. Yes. So yeah, we'll definitely need to see what he can, uh, what he can do as a full time starter. Uh, I like Johan's uh, comment here. <laughs> he that? always has yeah, to there. get this in there. He the, <laughs> he always has to get in the Jimmy G thing all the time. <laughs> and by the way, Johan really loves Carson Wentz. Well, that's all you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> He always has to say something about the Jimmy G. Always. Every single time I talk to Johan, he has a comment about Jimmy G. Jimmy G's a winner. Jimmy G does a lot of things. He's a he's a really good leader. But I will tell you what, and this is the thing that I want everybody to think about. Kyle Shanahan squeezed the most out of Jimmy G. He did the same thing with CJ Beathard and Nick Mullins and had them win important games. What do you guys think he's going to do with a talent like Trey Lance? Okay, that's all I'm going to say. That's it. I'm done. Ronnie, you put it together. Yeah, you're this, having the same the same, same battle thing. that I had for the first two years with same. Josh Allen. Same. Oh yeah. yeah, like everyone's like, oh, he can't play. He's a bust. Blah blah blah. I can't believe they drafted him in the first round. And like, go watch his games. Yes, there are rookie mistakes, of course, but watch the games, and you can see the the talent. You, you can, can see, see the the ceiling. Yeah, you can absolutely see it, and. There, there are some things, and I, I've, I've watched football my entire life, and you can, you just know when you, when you see certain things, right? And, and kind of to your point, I know that you've watched football for a really, really long time. So when you see those things, it, it, it kind of, I was trying, I wasn't going to say it, Ronnie, but I mean, <laughs> you went there, not I. So, and that's recorded. Um, <laughs> I'm excited about that. But there's a, there's our Twitter debate of the week that came up and you posted this and I, I got to bring this up because it sparked a good conversation between you and I, and then you had a lot of other people that were kind of chiming in on this. And this is more kind of around fantasy football by no means is Ronnie saying, Hey, these are the top receivers in the game. Although that list kind of looks like it, you know, you can make an argument. You make an argument, but for fantasy football, this is almost kind of goes into the situation that they're in, the quarterbacks that they have going with them, the amount of targets that they're going to see, um, the system that they're in, et cetera. So I, I want you to have an opportunity to kind of talk to your list before I have one big gripe about it. You already know what it is. <laughs> yeah. You already know what it is, but I'm going to let you go ahead and uh, talk on this one. Uh, really, this top five, I feel like is going to be the most consistent 
wide receivers you're going to have. I mean, we already know Cooper Cup did a season ago. And you, you can't extrapolate one season into the next. And we know that about fantasy football. It doesn't work that way. However, you're playing with probabilities. The probabilities are Cooper Cup is still going to be his number one guy. Yeah. Probability is they're still going to breakfast every morning. We know that's happening. So, yeah. and I've joked, joked a few times about some of these other guys maybe needing to, maybe they should go have breakfast <laughs> with their quarterbacks uh, after what those two did last year. But. It's important. I will tell you that that <laughs> stuff is really important. It like is. The, the hanging out, just the, the mind mouthing, right? Like, you know what they're going to do before they do it. Like, you just know there's no words that need to be, it's just a look and you know, yeah. the other guys got it. And that's well, what Cooper like, Cup and Stafford had last year. Exactly. Sure. And Allen did the same thing two years ago when Diggs got traded. Almost yeah. immediately, he got together with Diggs in Florida, brought over the other receivers and offensive skill guys, and said, let's start. Let's get it going in this you know, early summer when they were doing that. So uh, it is a big thing. It is huge. Um, and then the rest of them, of course, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams, I think, um, I think he's going to be a target machine. I feel like – he was the guy in Green Bay, right? Devontae. Like, yeah. Yeah. Everybody knew that he was going he was going to get the ball. Now you've got a guy named Darren Waller to take some of that pressure off of you. Hunter Renfro. And Renfro. I think that's gonna maybe not as many targets as he's getting in Green Bay, but I think he's gonna make some bigger plays. I think he's gonna be huge in the red zone. Um uh, and, and make some some plays there. And then of course, you know, Stefan Diggs, that's my boy. I can't have a top five anything without him there <laughs> no in all seriousness though i will say he look, produces he produces yeah. like crazy if you look at what the bills did last year down the stretch yeah it, it was almost like early part of the season they were trying to figure out the offensive line they were trying to figure out their identity there was all this there's rumblings about we need to start you know run the ball more we need to do this with our ground game we need to improve blah 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 at some point it was almost like and i don't know if this was Coach McDermott, I don't know if this was Dayball, whatever was going on, but it's almost like the 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 restraints were removed and Dayball had free reign to do what he wanted, and then all of a sudden that offense took off. Now yeah. you had a guy like James Cook in there. Dawson Knox is a year older now after his breakout season last year. Uh, good luck covering anybody on this uh, offense. And you didn't think, mention your boy, Gabriel Davis. I'm getting there, yeah. Because uh, <laughs> that guy is on my radar, dude, after that absolutely. game in Kansas City. Wow. The only problem I have, it's not really a problem, I guess, but my worry, I suppose. So his rookie year, he was great. I think he actually led the team in touchdown receptions. Last year, he was up there in touchdown receptions. His playoff game, phenomenal. Like, we've never seen a performance like that. Record-breaking. But as a true uh, every week number two guy, he hasn't done that yet P because for whatever reason, you know, it was either it's Cole Beasley or Emmanuel Sanders um, uh, or, or whoever it, it was. Now he is the number two in that offense. Yeah, th so, those guys are out of the way, not necessarily yeah. like they were there last year and you knew that they, were, they had to get their – not their targets, but their plays in, right? And so he was in there almost as a rotational type of player. Right. But towards the end of the year, he really took the most of his opportunities. And you yep. could really see that he has a great connection with Allen as well. And you really saw it in that Kansas City Chief game in the divisional playoff. What do you have? How many touchdowns do you have? Three? Four? Four. Four. Four touchdowns over 200 yards. Uh, I'm going to bring up this comment over here because I do want to talk to this. Um, <laughs> I get it. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than 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 Carr. Not going to debate that. However, Carr had over four thousand, almost five thousand. I think he was over five thousand yards passing last year, and had what? He didn't have Devonte Adams. I guarantee you, he Adams is going to get those targets. He's going to get those receptions. He's going to get those yards, and Carr is going to be able to support a top five wide receiver in fantasy football. All right. So I really, really, I love Devontae Adams. I actually think that on this, this list, if you were going to talk about best receivers in the game, he's probably right up there. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's probably, I, I know Cooper cup and the, I mean, he won the triple crown and stuff, but I'm talking like Cooper cup wins a lot in the slot. You're not going to put him on the outside. You're not putting him on the outside. Right. You're putting him against linebackers, safeties, that nickel guy. 
and you're going to scheme him certain ways. And not and that's not to make light of Cooper Cup. He's an amazing player. It's just who he is. Devontae Adams is a number one true wide receiver in the yeah. NFL. He's a big target. He's a great route runner. And you, they throw him the ball when everybody in the stadium and on TV knows he's getting the ball and he still comes down with it. Yeah, My he thing might about be the, number one. Yeah. Like my thing pure, about, as far as the game goes. Absolutely. For for sure. My thing about him being on this list is a lot of the things that you actually mentioned. He was the guy in Green Bay. He was the guy. I mean, next up you had Marcus Valdez Scantling, their tight end, who is Robert Tunyon, who I really like, got hurt midway through the year. He had a ton of targets be out of necessity because he was the guy. If he was out, big problems. And I think they're going to have big problems in Green Bay with him being gone because that was Rogers' safety blanket, to so to speak. That was just his guy that he knew he could go to at any given moment if he needed a play. Now that ball is going to be spread around, and I like the situation that he's in. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying when it comes down to red zone, right, in Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers would opt out of a clear running play to try to throw the ball to Devontae Adams. Now he's going to have to compete with Josh Jacobs because he's going to get some goal line carries. You're going to have Darren Waller, who's going to get some goal line targets, and Hunter Renfro, who is they scheme open because he is able to just gain separation on and just cut on a dime. And then you have Devontae Adams as well. So you have the, all that, which is a great problem to have for the Las Vegas Raiders. But from a fantasy perspective, I mean, let's say, you know, how many touchdowns did he have last year? I, I think that you might see a decrease potentially in, in touchdowns. And like you said, a, maybe a decrease in targets. To me, that decreases his, his value fantasy-wise. Now, with Debo Samuel, because this is a guy that I would actually have up there because of his versatility, his production last year, he had 1,400 yards receiving. He had 121 targets. Uh, 77 receptions, six touchdowns receiving. Okay, you can make an argument right there that he going forward and 10 quarters with Trey uh, Trey Lance, he had three of those receiving touchdowns in 10 quarters with Trey Lance. But then you also incorporate what he's able to do on the ground, which we'll see that a lot of that was out of necessity, especially towards the end of the year. Elijah Mitchell was hurt and they had nobody else to turn to because for some reason – Raheem Mostert was supposed to be the guy and he lasted a total of three carries and was out the rest of the year. So that's kind of why we started to see him, but everybody knows what Debo Samuel can do. And on the ground, he had 59 rushes for 365 yards and eight touchdowns. He also threw a touchdown. So with his sort of versatility and knowing what you can get as fantasy wise, I mean, it's not just catching the ball. You know, you're going it, to, it's kind of the argument that you make, that we make with, with quarterbacks that are able to move the ball with their legs. Like right. Lamar Jackson is a really great option at fantasy wise. I wouldn't try to build a team around him, but I know I'm going to get some passing yards from him. I know I'm going to get some passing touchdowns and I know I'm going to get some rushing yards and I'm going to get some rushing touchdowns. That thought kind of goes into my mind when I'm talking about Debo Samuel and what he's able to do in several different facets of the game, fantasy-wise, is like the only only guy on the on the 49ers that I'd be like, ah, I might want to take him because they've spread the ball around so much. But Debo Samuel last year and what he was able to do, I think that kind of puts him up there. But this is a hell of a list. I mean, what, you're going to take off Devontae Adams to put Debo Samuel up there? That's tough. And knowing what Jamar Chase is entering in his now uh, second year under with Joe Burrow, who he's been thrown to and catching balls from for a long time there at LSU. And then you got Justin Jefferson, who has just blown the doors off of this league in, in, in his going into his third year, I believe. And you got Stefan Diggs with Josh Allen. It's hard to take anybody off of this list, but that's my only argument is for Debo Samuel because of his versatility to be able to creep up in here, but it's hard to take any one of those guys off too. Yeah. I, first of all, I'm going to address uh, Greg's comment over here. I'll just bring it up on the screen. Uh, this this is kind of <laughs> cool. This is the first. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Greg says, got offered a 2024 first and Randall Coffer, Kadarius Tony. Personally, I keep Tony. That That's me. I'm kind of, I, I'm big on Tony. I actually tried to grab him in a couple of leagues last year. Um, didn't work out. 
couldn't get them. So if you've already got them, I would hold on to them. What, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I think so too. And, you know, in, in a dynasty, right, a first rounder, what, yeah, what's that going to be? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So what, what's that, what's that going to be? Because I know the 2023 class is actually a really, really strong class and we were going to have a really good conversation about receivers and where the game's going. Right. So Kadarius, Tony, I think he actually is going to be trending up this next year because I think he's going to be a big part of their offense, almost out of necessity. Um, so I would hold on to them. He's a young guy. He's a big playmaker. Yeah. Um, if they truly had him on the block, which I don't believe, by the way, you don't get a rid, rid of a guy like that um, if you're trying to build a team. Um, and we're talking fan and we're talking fantasy wise here. I think you keep that guy. I think you keep him yeah. around. You don't know what you're going to get for a first. And most likely if you uh, it is tough, but that's going to be a guy in two years. You know what you got right now for the next yeah. two years. So um, I would keep Kadarius Tony and 14 person super flex who kn- I'm not putting Randall Cobb for Kadarius Tony. <laughs> and then a guy two years later, I'm not yeah, doing that. Definitely not. Definitely not. Um, so I wanted to, on the Debo Samuel thing, yeah. I just don't see him getting eight rushing touchdowns again. I don't see him getting 59 carries mainly because again, like you said, he got those carries out of necessity because of injuries to the backfield. Now you've got a quarterback that can run around too. Right. I just don't think that he's going to be getting those carries like he was before. Um, now it could be offset with an uptick in receptions, though. That's my so thought. That's really what my you thought know, is. Yeah, with Trey Lance running around, buying some time, that could be uh, you know an ideal situation for uh, Debo to get some additional targets and receptions as well. He could absolutely make this top five. Um, and I actually have him at number six. I don't know if I mentioned that to you or not, but he is my <laughs> number six. You didn't mention that. You definitely did not mention that to me. <laughs> so, yeah, he is right there. He's right there. It, I mean, it, when it comes to this, you know, this time of the year and really kind of coming from this conversation and, and what I wanted to talk about was just think about where this game is going now. When We, especially, we talk about fantasy football and we talk about, you know, strategies and, and the way that you want to go about it. Most of the time, it's you got to take a running back. And it used to be because they were your workhorses. Now it's that you have to take them because there's not a whole lot of them out there. that are going to yeah. be getting a ton of touches that, you know, some of them are sharing time, but it's really progressed into the receiver game. And we just had that list that was up there for, you know, the top five guys. But you think about where this game is going now, this draft that we just had had six receivers go in the first round. That's crazy. And these young guys, they're producing. I mean, you yeah. see Jamar Chase, they're producing early in the league. It's not like it was where they're having to learn how to be a pro and, and all that stuff. There's some of that. But these kids are playing seven-on-seven seven in the in the offseason, running routes with their quarterbacks, going against defenders. They get into the season, and the, the offenses are designed in the passing game. They're not designed with – eight guys in the box. We're going to cram the ball down your throat anymore. Yeah. It's they're spreading you Unless out with four receivers, red op. Yeah. Read option with a bubble screen to get those guys into space. So we've, we've seen the game progress into college. And I think we're starting to now see it bleed into the NFL a little bit more where you're starting to see guys be more polished in their route running. You're starting to see guys be able to do and make a lot of plays with the ball in their hands. And these guys, I mean, these guys are fast. We don't have the 6'4", 225 guys that we used to covet uh, at the wide receiver position in the NFL. If you see a lot of these guys in this draft, there's only like one or two of those guys that right. were yeah. like that. Everyone else was six foot, 190, 4'3", <laughs> speed. You know, So yeah. it's crazy to see where the game is going. And I kind of wanted to get your thoughts as, as you look at that. You know, You're making your fantasy football list and stuff. Does that change the way that you kind of start to go about things? And and I mean, it, it it looks to be the way that the the GMs in the NFL are starting to go more towards those younger guys. We saw it with AJ Brown; they traded him before they paid him, and they picked up a younger guy. Is what they did. Uh, and yeah. the, the Tennessee Titans. That's a think, young receiver that we, I don't think we saw that three years ago. Right, I agree. Yeah, I, it, it's interesting to to watch to see the dynamics happen. And I've said all along that there's not too many Jamar Chases or 
Justin Jefferson's in this league. If we have another rookie do that again for the third year in a row, okay, I, I, I won't say that anymore. Because to your point, they are coming up through the ranks more polished. The college is a passing game. So yeah. those guys are, 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 are more involved in, in the offenses. They're running more routes. They're you know doing all of those things. And it is starting to translate into to this game. What I'm going to find interesting over the next few years is how teams handle that. Like you were saying, we saw Tennessee trade away a guy they didn't want to pay for and then bring him in a young, young guy. Which teams are going to go the opposite and be like, okay, well, we'll pay this great guy and then right. we'll just fill in around him. Um, so I, it kind of got me thinking even with Buffalo's situation. Diggs just signed a new contract or new extension. I believe for he's in Buffalo for the next four years, maybe five. I don't think he's in Buffalo. I don't think, honestly, I don't think he finishes the contract. And I hate to say that because I want him to. Yeah. I want him to retire Bill. I don't think it's going to happen, though, especially if Davis hits it out of the park you know, yeah. the next year or two and shows that he can be at number one. Then you've got a guy, okay, well, let's move this guy on up the ladder. He's now our new number one. We're going to pay him, give him an extension before we have to give him this $30 million Tyreek Hill type contract. Yeah. Um, and, and God you forbid you throw an injury in there, which could happen, right? Yeah. Which even decreases his value even more. Like he's still fairly young. He's under 30, isn't he? Stefan Diggs. I believe he's 30, 30 or 30. Just barely, just yeah. barely. Right. I mean, he's been around this league for a while. I mean, he had case Keenum throwing in the ball, obviously the, the, the miracle in, uh, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Minneapolis. Yeah. yeah. Miracle there. But what, to your point, I think we're going to start seeing a strategy in the in the NFL where if if that young guy for Tennessee blows the doors off, you're really going to have GMs around the league go, "Why in the world are we going to pay a guy 27 million dollars when we can right. get a guy in the draft and pay him 7 to 8 million dollars? We'll have him for 4 years. If we give him the first round, we got that fifth year option. We got him for essentially his rise and prime so that makes it that that makes it really kind of tough and then not to mention you talk about saturating the market too if we have six guys go in the first round and four of those guys have thousand yard receiving seasons which could possibly happen you have an extra game you have the the game is more towards you can't you know there's no illegal contact after five yards it's a foul pass interference and you got these corners that are on islands and they just can't do what what they need to do to stop some of these guys especially when they're four three yeah so i think if you have four of those guys that have thousand yard receiving uh years this year which like i said could happen it's going to be crazy because then you think about all the receivers that are out there and all these quarterbacks that are throwing them the ball it's an aerial attack in the NFL, and yeah. you want to know what? That's what the NFL wants. They want. It's absolutely what they want. That's what you they know. Want. And I think, want- I think it's gonna. It, if this happens too, if these guys come out and they kill it year one, year two, and three, and so on, I think you're going to see a shift in the 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 market as far as the contracts. Yeah, yeah. Teams will be like, I don't need to pay this one guy twenty five million dollars when I can sign these two guys who maybe they're not superstars, but they're pretty damn good. And I can get them yeah. both for twenty million combined. And I, I got to correct myself. Diggs is twenty eight, so I do think he finishes his contract. I don't think they extend him because at that point he'd be thirty three. Still young. I mean, you think twenty eight years old? He's been in the yeah. league for a while. He's a wily veteran that's probably in the in the prime of his career. Twenty eight years yeah, old right now. You know, right now he's in the prime of his career with. I want to say arguably, but I don't think that there's too much of an argument right now going into 2022 of I feel like he's probably in the, one of the best situations with, with Josh Allen, you know, he's been there. Uh, this is his third year in Buffalo, right? Yeah. I believe going into his third year. I mean, Josh Allen is peaking right now. He hasn't hit it yet, but he's on his way and he's in a, a great situation. So when you look at these receivers and it's, it's nuts. We, we talk yeah. about the AFC and all these quarterbacks <laughs> and crazy. all these guys that they have to throw to. And the, the, the way that these teams are trying to stop them is by pass rushers. It's not by DBs. It's not. They're going out and getting two pass rushers to try to sack the quarterback to stop them from getting the ball down the field. 
because it's hard as a DB. And I'm, I'm wondering when we're starting to get, see that change yeah. of now defensive backs. We need yeah. defensive backs. You're going to see really good corners in the league. And that's what I think is going to happen is you're going to see that money start to shift from the wide receivers to the corners because there's not that many like true shutdown corners right now. No. Um, well, how could they? They can't grab. They can't yeah. like they can't even touch these guys. So the, the days of Deion Sanders, Darrell Rivas, Night Train Lane, those are done. <laughs> that's that's a thing of the past. It's it's funny. I was watching a, a game. Uh, I was from 1988. Yeah, it was 88 because I went back and I watched that first Bills Jets game, the one I watched and became mm -hmm. a Bills fan off of. I was watching that game and the defensive back, he grabbed the wide receiver, right? And Dan Deardor, <laughs> Which was legal back then. Right. Dan Deardor said, oh, that wouldn't have happened last year because it was a penalty, but they changed the rules this year so corners can get up in their facing and kind of get handsy with them. And I'm thinking, wow. So it went from one way to the other, and now we're back to the other way. And yeah. I just thought that was really interesting to hear. Well, and I, I remember the days even when I'm when I was playing if a receiver was running a crossing route, you would take his head off. Yeah. Didn't matter if the ball was coming his way or not. Like you could, he was in your way, but now you can't even do that. Cause that's some sort of pass interference, you know, <laughs> don't look at all, him funny. <laughs> yeah. Don't look at him weird. But I mean, even kind of going back to that, that Tua play, and I know we got to get out of here, but under throwing a ball sometimes is one of the best things that an offensive guy can do because you know, you're going to get a flag. That defender yeah. has no idea where the ball is. He's trying to locate it. Now, all of a sudden, the receiver is crossing his face, and your natural reaction is to go, no, <laughs> yeah, flag, yeah. right? So it makes it tough. But, Ronnie, I'm so excited that we are on the – I feel like we're kind of – I don't know if we've hit the downhill quite yet because we got to get through this month and probably midway through June. And then I feel like we're on the downhill because then we got training camps coming around the corner. And the next thing you know, we're going to have, uh, you know, preseason games, but we get the schedule released tomorrow. We're going to talk about that next week. We're going to start uh, turning our, changing our gears to how these teams are all set up and how they're built and what we think their outlook is going to be going into 20, uh, 2022. Um, I'm really excited about that. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I'm looking forward to see who gets that Thursday night season opener. Cause you know, you and I aren't, aren't in disagreement on that one, but <laughs> we, can, we can talk I, about that next week. We'll talk. Yeah. So my prediction is I think it's going to be NFC versus NFC. I don't think it's NFC AFC. I think it, I think if I would not be surprised if it, it was Rams Niners, I wouldn't be shocked because that was the NFC championship game. And they've kind of done some things like that with new England and, and Kansas city. Like if, if it would have been Kansas city, I would have said it's got to be bills, you know, bills in Kansas city. But <laughs> since it's the Rams, I don't know. I, you could say the Cowboys potentially to kind of get ratings. Um, I don't know. It's, it's going to be, I, it's going to be different, but I wouldn't be shocked at Rams Niners at all. Yeah. We've, we've actually only in the last decade, only twice as division rivals open the season like that. We have had twice where it was AFC, NFC. And for me, obviously, I would love to see Buffalo open the season. And we know it's going to be the Rams because they, that, that's just yeah. how they do it now. But when they signed Von Miller, I just felt like, okay, well, that's the nail in the coffin right there. they got to play Bills for him on, on Thursday night. Do the, <laughs> do the Bills have the Rams on the schedule next year yeah. as an opponent? They do? Uh -huh. That's potentially. You want to know? I'm going to call my shot right now because I know the NFC West plays the AFC West. I think it's going to be Rams-Chiefs game one. That's a possibility too. I, I'm I'm gonna call my shot. Stamp on it. It's gonna be Rams Chiefs. I'm sticking we'll, with we'll Rams. Next week. Yeah, I love it. Of course you live. <laughs> All right, man. Well, we'll get out of here, Ronnie. It's always a pleasure, man. Make sure that you give us a follow, give us a rating. We always love that, and make sure that you hit that subscribe button at the top. But until next Wednesday, we talk about the schedule release. Ronnie, we're out. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Good night, everyone.